And also, I think it's an inspiring story, you know, for her to be able to just risk her life in doing something that she could easily avoid is, is really a lesson in heroism. It's someone who has the opportunity to be able to avoid playing a role in finding a solution or taking a stand. And when it came time, she made the choice that she didn't have to make to stay and fight. And I think that's always a lesson for us when we face difficult situations or ones that might involve particular principles and which are the ones that you're going to fight for. And I think that's always an interesting aspect of history is to try to put us in the place of those particular people, wonder what we would do in those situations. I think it's very instructive from that point of view. Thank you so much. Keep Thanks, Hersha. Bye-bye. That's it for Sprouts. You've been listening to the story of Josephine Baker, the spy who hid in plain sight. Many thanks to Christopher Klein, author and freelance writer specializing in history for his interview. Klein is the author of four books, including When the Irish Invaded Canada, The Incredible True Story of the Civil War Veterans Who Fought for Ireland's Freedom, and Strong Boy, The Life and Times of John L. Sullivan, America's First Sports Hero. Klein is a frequent contributor to History.com, the website of the History Channel, and has also written for publications like the Boston Globe, the New York Times, National Geographic Traveler, and Smithsonian.com. Production assistance came from Stephanie Schubert at Pacifica Network. Music you heard was the original Charleston by Isham Jones and his orchestra. The Sprouts theme music is Torpedoes on Tuesday by Poison Control Center. Sprouts is a weekly program produced in collaboration with community radio stations and independent producers across the globe. The program is coordinated and distributed by Pacifica Radio Network. If you or someone at your station has a radio production that you wish to showcase globally on Sprouts, contact our air traffic controller. Oh, that's me, Ursula Rudenberg at Ursula at Pacifica.org. That is Ursula, U-R-S-U-L-A at Pacifica.org. Thank you for listening and see you next week on Sprouts. This is Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, and this is KBOO Portland. Hey, KBOO listeners, you want to tune in to PDX Progressive Talk Radio every fourth Wednesday at 7 p.m., where we do a deep dive into issues that matter most to our community. Every month, we're taking on homelessness, community policing, supporting local small businesses, and so much more. We're here to foster solutions and move progressive change. Brought to you by our dedicated team, me, Sherry Morish, 
and our host, Moses Ross. This show is your go-to for progressive dialogue and local action. Don't miss out on the conversations that are shaping Portland and the Pacific Northwest. Join us on PDX Progressive Talk Radio every fourth Wednesday at 7 p.m. right here on KBU, where together, we're the voice of change. You are listening to KBOO 90.7 FM in Portland. Good morning, this is Disability Justice, an everyday pursuit and survival. Your host, John Griffiths. And this is Dina Wilder. I help edit Disability Justice. You are listening to KBOO Portland, and we are in the midst of the All Thrills, No Frills campaign of $22,000 membership drive that ends March 16th. We hope that you will consider going to kboo.fm forward slash give to donate to this community station that is volunteer powered. Please consider giving to KBOO so that we can continue to give you the information you need about issues affecting the disability community. So welcome to my radio show. Would you mind uh, please introducing yourself and your role in Agency of Choice? Yeah, thank you. Thanks, thanks for having me. My name is Alice Longley-Miller. And I use she, her pronouns. And I work at SEIU, the Service Employee International Union, Local 503. And 503, we're a labor union that represents um, lots of different types of workers. But I focus on our workers that do disability support services and long-term care. So we represent workers in all types of settings across the kind of state Medicaid care spectrum. So we have some workers in the Oregon Health Authority's behavioral health program. We have many workers in the aging and people with disabilities program that work, you know, home care workers, but also workers in assisted living and memory care and nursing facilities. And then in the intellectual and developmental disabilities program, we represent about 10,000 personal support workers. And we also have a few direct support professionals that work in group homes. So we have lots of different workers that do really, really important work supporting people uh, with disabilities and older adults. And how Agency with Choice fits in with that, you know, unions, our, our members who are personal support workers have been expressing some frustration and concern with some of the things in the personal support worker program. And they feel like Agency with Choice could be a solution to some of those problems and ultimately make the developmental disability service system stronger and and have a new option for folks. And I know, you know, our union is really focused on the workforce shortage in all types of support service settings and caregiving settings. And what we know about workforce shortages is that if we want to solve them, we have to listen to what workers are saying about how their jobs could be better. And we have to show that we respect and value the work that they do. And we have to recruit and retain workers. And no one knows that more than people who have uh, a support worker or a caregiver. 
that the impact of shortages is most felt by those folks. And so it's really important that workers come together with the people they support and figure out how to make these jobs better, because ultimately that's what we feel is going to solve our workforce shortages. I was just kind of curious, uh, SB 1521 has been rewritten or gotten stuffed so many times that there's been so much added to it. So I'm kind of like wondering, can you narrow down onto uh, agency with choice? And can you tell us like something about like, well, I noticed that originally it didn't have anything to do with PSWs. Now it seems to have PSWs all over the place. It also has something called a DSW and DSS. And I, it's just like, okay, these are a lot of acronyms. It's a lot of alphabet soup. Can you tell me what that's all about? And exactly how is agency of choice going to help out with the worker shortage? I mean, is it going to increase wages? Is it going to increase benefits? You've talked already about how it's going to listen to them. But other than just listening to them, is there anything on the wages or benefits that are really going to help out with drawing people in? Yeah, so um, I can try to, I, I think there's a lot of great questions in there. So I'll start with kind of what the what the connection is with agency with choice and the workforce, the, the issues fa- facing the workforce. The personal support worker program that Oregon has, in that program, the a personal support worker is employed by the person who's receiving services. And they're also employed by the state in a way. The state handles the payroll, the back-end sort of administration of the program, but the person who is using the service, they are at the center of decision-making. They get to pick who their worker is, decide what tasks they want help with, what schedule they want to have, and that is really important. People are a lot of people need an agency service, an agency delivered service, but a lot of people want to be in control. And the personal support worker program offers the kind of maximum amount of control over your in-home and community providers. And so what agency with choice is, is it's very similar to the PSW program where the person is the directing their services, they're managing their worker, but instead of the employment relationship being with the state and the individual, it would be with an agency and the individual. And the agency would just handle like the back-end administrative work of being an employer. So, and why that's important is that the the state in their employer duties for personal support workers hasn't always done a great job of supporting them. Like home care or personal support workers don't have like an HR person to call if they, I mean, basic stuff, like if they need to verify their employment so they can get a car loan or sign up for an apartment. There's there's no one that they can call to do that. And it's these like little things that most people take for granted when they have an employer that personal support workers don't have. And so that's one of the things that they're frustrated by. They feel like they experience a lot of challenges with payroll. They have to spend hours every week fixing their timesheets that are then sent to case managers to sign off on. And the system is just really difficult to use. And so they want to still be managed by the person they serve. But this option would mean that they could have kind of the security um, and stability of having a more traditional employer. 
But aren't you just taking uh, PSWs and turning them into DSPs? No, because it's so the difference is like in a, the different, there are a lot of differences, but I think the most important difference is that in like for D, if you're a DSP, you're employed by a, an agency and they assign your work. They, you know, they send you, they connect you with a client. Um, and the, the client doesn't necessarily get to pick who their worker is. And some agencies may offer some choice of who your worker is, but really having that ability to, to select your worker and be the manager is something unique to the personal support worker program. So in other words, uh, what you're doing is, is just adding to the wording of, of saying, oh uh, yeah, you've got uh, an agency but the agency uh, doesn't get to pick for you. You get to pick for you. The client gets to pick for themselves rather than the agency owners or administration picking for them. Yep. So then if you're all going to do that, what's with assigning these new terminologies such as DSW, I mean, DSW, yeah, DSW or uh, DSS? I mean, why, why add new terminology? Can't they just replace the old terminology with something and just like, like, I mean, like, what if you got rid of PSWs and just turned them into something new? Well, we don't, we don't, the, we're not proposing getting rid of PSWs or the PSW model. We think there's a lot of value there and it works really well for some people. And to some people, it's really important that they are the employer of record. And we don't feel like we don't want to take that option away. Same with the agency model options. Those will still be options, but we just want to add an option kind of in between those two. And so we needed to come up with a name that reflects the work, but is, doesn't get them confused with a personal support worker or a direct support professional. A lot of people are concerned that uh, this might either that it might either remove PSWs or it might re- remove DSPs. Do you have any like insurances that's not going to remove DSPs? I mean, because it sounds like you're creating a DSP, a, a, a different kind of DSP that might wind up taking over the present DSP positions. I have two, I th- if I'm understanding the question right, I think I have two things to say. I think one, and that everyone seems to agree that I've talked to, that people who are receiving the services should pick the service that works for them. And we shouldn't have incentives to have, you know, one model be the pr- the prominent model and others fade away. We We should invest in options so that people can make a choice about what they want for their services. So, you know, I don't think now we don't limit people's choices in where they get services. And I don't think that um, that, like, should be a goal at all. I do think that right now we've seen a massive move from the PSW model to the direct support professional model. And we're what we're concerned about is that some of that shift, of course, is probably just people choosing the model that works for them. But some of that, some of that shift is because our, we're not doing a very good job in making the personal support worker model easy for people to use. It's harder. It's a lot more work. It's harder on the service coordinators. 
the workers don't have the the stability that they might have in in another model. And so what we have right now are a bunch of incentives that are having people move to agency delivered services. And that is, that's really evident. We have lots of data to back that up. Even just five years ago, it was about 70% of um, individuals that were using in-home services were using a, the PSW model. And now it's less than half. So we've seen a, a massive shift in what they say is like, like a caseload shift from the PSW model to the DSP model. And what we're, you know, the case that we're making is that we need to make both options strong. The one where you're the manager and the one where someone else manages for you. And, you know, that's what really what we want to do is strengthen this, the options where people are the managers themselves and let, let people decide what works for them and not be, you know, shuffled to one service setting because that's where the workforce is or because they can't like find enough workers. And the kind of the sort of the big picture layer on top of all of this is that for the personal support worker model to be a, like a viable option for people, individuals have to use it and workers have to want to work in it because otherwise there's not enough workers to choose from. And so what we've seen is that as workers have shifted over to private agencies, it becomes harder and harder for the people that want to stay in the PSW model to do that because the pay is a lot higher in agency model services and you have like more guarantee for hours. There's just a lot of things that for workers can be appealing. So, you know, I, I think what we're really trying to do is bring a little bit of stability to the system. I, I don't, and kind of adjust for the swing that's happening right now and let people decide what they want with their services and not see, you know, choices that the state makes shift workers and people into a model that may not be what they need. And I think, you know, it's also, I, I saw you had a question about the cost. The, the state has, the, has, the state has gone to the legislature since this shift has happened several times to say, we're seeing our, we're seeing more people move to the more expensive model and we need more money from the legislature to pay for that, which is also, you know, something that we should think about carefully. If that's what we want to invest in, um, that's fine. But I think we could save a lot of money if we stabilize the less expensive options like the PSW program and an agency with choice option. So it sounds to me like what this is, is a hybrid option. It's a hybrid between a PSW and a DSP. I guess the thing that I'm still having problems with is is the fact that you're talking about drawing more people into this business. And, and the thing that I'm having a problem with is, is it doesn't matter if it's a, a PSW or a DSP or a home care worker. We just don't have enough of either one of these. Of all three of those, we don't have enough. But you're also going to try and include a third, a now what I would call a fourth model, and it's just like, if you don't have enough for the other three, how are you going to get enough employees to do the hybridized model? you got to offer them something. 
And by offering them something, I mean, it's, it's got to be like either the pay, the benefits, or maybe a union backing them up or, you know, I'm something like that. Hi, this is Dina Wilder. I'm the editor for Disability Justice, the program you're currently listening to on KBOO Portland. And I'm just slipping in here for a moment to tell you that we are in the midst of the All Thrills, No Frills campaign to raise $22,000 for our membership drive. If you could please text KBOO to 44-321, you can go there to donate. We're gonna get you right back into the program where John is discussing with Alice Longley Miller from SEIU about a new bill called Agency with Choice. Back to your show. I, I think if what you were saying is how is this going to actually build the workforce rather than just be another place for the existing workforce? So, I mean, that this is what unions do, right? They listen to their workers and they find out what's important to them. And I can just give you some examples. And because we're talking about recruiting and retaining workers, PSWs want to be able to clock in on their phones, just like everybody else. They want to have an HR person to call. They don't have that. They want to have, you know, help if they lose a client. They want someone to help them find a new client. And they're telling us that's what they want. And we've, you know, through with through the union have tried to advocate for those things for workers. And the state doesn't have a way to, to meet those needs and give the workers what they're asking for. And so we think this model would be appealing to PSWs that are leaving the workforce because they're frustrated with the clunky systems and they don't feel supported and valued. So I think, you know, we're solving that very real problem for a number of PSWs that want to stay in the work. They, they, you know, they often have a really close relationship with the person they've been supporting and they care about them deeply and they don't, they really want to stay in this model where they, it's really about the two, the person and their worker and they get to make the decisions. They don't have an agency in between that relationship telling them what they need to do and changing around their policies in ways that aren't driven by what the individual wants. And so they don't really want to work for an agency. They want to stay working. They want the relationship they have with the PSW, but it's these systems issues that frustrate them and cause them to consider leaving the workforce. And so by adding this option, we're, we're solving those very real issues and giving the workers what they want, the stability, the HR, the modern technology to clock in and out. And, you know, the, the so that is one component of it. And I think, you know, what you see in Senate Bill 1521 is much narrow. It's a lot more narrowly focused and a lot less comprehensive than what we originally had wanted to see the legislature work on. And so when we cut down just to the bare bones, really, we lost a lot of the stuff that we would like to see in the bill around recruitment and retention efforts and how to make these jobs better jobs that unfortunately, you know, they aren't in the bill. It doesn't mean that the state can't do that when they set up an agency with choice, but we think it's critical to, to across the spectrum of care, whether whatever setting you want to be in, in ODDS or APD, we need to make these jobs better. And the way you do that is by listening to the workers because they know how to make their jobs better and they're asking for a solution like this. So you're hoping that just by listening to them, you're going to be able to recruit more into uh, the business as a whole. 
Well, yeah, and I can give an example, like, you know, would you want to be hired for a job where you have to spend multiple hours every week fixing your timesheet because the state's mainframe system can't capture your timesheets? And so you spend every, the end of every week, you have to do your manual corrections and errors pop up and the state says, you know, go to the case manager, go to the, the pay, the payroll people. Like they can't even figure out how to get paid. That's a basic function that you expect when you go to work. So when you're offering someone a job and you're saying, oh yeah, and it's on you to figure out your pay and it's probably going to be wrong a lot and there's not going to be anyone to call when that happens. Or you have, you know, a target. I was just at Target. They're, I think they're starting wages over $20. And at some point it's got to cross your mind. Like, do I really want to deal with all of this? You know, or should I just go find another job with a state, like a more easy paycheck? And that is a very real choice that workers make. One other question. Uh, I noticed that, or I have heard several times that like the criminal check for, um, what is it? PSWs is extremely long and takes yeah. forever. And will this shut, turn, will this make that quite a bit quicker? Yeah. I mean, so the, the background check issue. Yes. This right now, personal support workers have to do, I think people were telling us it's like three months to get your background check. Right? So that's another issue where like someone's offering you a job, but you can't start for three months. A lot of people are going to say, uh, I can, I need to pay my bills. I need to, you know, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> um, and the, you know, the workers in this model would still have to use the state background check. Uh, like all DSPs and all, all care, like whether you work for a childcare facility or in a, a state nursing home or you're a home care worker, everyone has to use the state's background check. And that does have a backlog, but it's way shorter than what the, the personal support worker wait time is because that we have the, the background check unit backlog. And then we also have to have case managers figure out the paperwork. We have complicated, like, instructions for personal support workers and that all adds up to make that wait time really long in an agency with choice model it'd be like a traditional employer where the employer handles the background check you still have to go in and if you need fingerprints you have to do your fingerprints but they they handle all the communication with the background check unit and you know all of that would be done by the agency with choice and you know i'm just kind of curious like um what are your community partners? Is it just SEIU who's backing this up? Or do you have other community partners who are also stating uh, that this this would be a really good idea to put through? Yeah, I think, um, so again, this, this is a really trimmed down version of Agency with Choice. We have, this is actually, if Senate Bill 1521 passes. It'll be the third agency with choice bill in IDD that relates to this service. So there have been different supporters of agency with choice as a model at different times the bill has come up. I would have to look back on the record. I think in this this session, most of the testimony was neutral. And we're, you know, we're, we worked really hard to take feedback from stakeholders I think most of the testimony was neutral, and excuse me for interrupting here, is simply because SB 1521 was so gutting stuff. I mean, they stuffed more than just agency with choice in here. They stuffed things around 
kids and things around. Anyway, they they stuffed an awful lot in this bill. Yeah, and I can help explain that a little bit if it would be helpful for your listeners. The so this is what's called a committee omnibus bill, which is <laughs> kind of a mouthful, but. Each legislative committee that is focused on like a, you know, it could be the finance committee. In this case, it's the human services committee. They get to have a couple of committee bills that are related to their topic. So related to human services and Senate bill 1521 is, is one of those committee bills where there isn't actually a legislator sponsoring the bill. It's sponsored by the committee and different members of the committee can submit things to include in that bill. And it helps, especially in a short session, to get to, for efficiency because there's a very limited number of bills. So as long as it's like related to human services, they can submit their portion. So in Senate Bill 1521, there's something related to acuity-based staffing in APD. There's the Developmental Disabilities Agency with Choice concept and, and also some um, protections for individuals in services. And then there's also that child care, uh, child caring agency stuff. So it's basically three to four different concepts that all got smashed together in a bill. And it can be really confusing, but that's, that's why, um, that happened. Thank you. Thank you. That, that's nice to know. Thank you for coming into our, our show and doing it. And Thanks we hope to talk to you again sometime soon. We'll let you go and uh, have a good day. Thank you so much, John. Yeah, thank you. You have been listening to KBOO Portland Disability Justice. We hope that you have become a little more informed about agency with choice and want you to think about how interviews like this help the community become more informed about what's going on in the disability community. KBOO provides programming such as ours through its volunteer-powered and 80% of funding comes from listeners like you. You can, of course, donate through kboo.fm forward slash give, or you can become a volunteer through the Volunteer Program, and you can learn about it through the KBOO website. Thank you for being one of our listeners. That's the end of Disability Justice. Since we cannot be fully aware of everybody's difficulties within the community, we would really like it if you would send us your email, disabilityjustice at kboo.org. Also, we're always looking for fun, inexpensive things to do out in the community. Go to disabilityjustice at kboo.org. O-R-G, to contact us and give us your ideas.
KVOO Portland on 90.7 FM and streaming on the web at kvoo.fm. KBU Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations of programming of KBU in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1970.